Good morning. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chaf Dalid in Maseches Megillah. And we'll begin with the Mishnah, the second line from the bottom, very bottom of Chachimel and Bez. And we have our uh, fearless Gabai back from Shomrei, Binyamin. And this is very relevant to Gabai stuff. As we had learned, <laughs> that Chazal, because Zichur Lo Yasuf, they made a separate Standalone, unlike Hanukkah, which is in the middle of Shabbos, a few blot, Megillah and, and is, uh, has an entire Masechta devoted to it. And so we have extra things having to do with laning and Gabai things added in in order to beef it up a little bit. Anyway, Hakorah says in the Mishnah, Batorah, lo yifchas mishloshe psukim. When you read, as we've already discussed yesterday, you can't read less than three psukim whenever you are laning it from the Torah itself. So some of the things we'll discuss today have to do more with the customary things of those days. And one of those things, as we had mentioned, was in Maturgamon. We had the, um, the almost entertaining Rashi, the second line on Chav Gimel where he says, uh, you'll recall that Malcolm Shesh Maturgamon, we did less than 21 Psukim. We did 10 Psukim of Navi because Shesh Torah Chlatzibur, right? Because again, whenever, as a Gabbai, you know, whenever you are... Um, you want to inspire the people, you want to be able to, right, fulfill your obligation of Kriya Satora, but you also can't drive the people crazy. There's only so much they can handle. You always want to um, uh, balance what their patience can withstand. So when it comes to the Torah, you're going to do no less than three psukim. That's a concern for the Maturgaman. As the last Rashi on Chavkimel Beis says, Shalom Yitam Maturgaman, Right, Hametagim Alpet, which is to say, this is what the job of the Maturgaman is as we uh, arrive at Chavdal and Aleph. Andrew, we stalled as much as we could. Good to see you. So, as Chavdal um, and Aleph, the Maturgaman Andrew has the following job. He has to synthesize what the Balkar is saying, and Alpet, he has to remember what was read. So he can really, how much, how many psukim can you retain? Remember, you're trying to translate it as correctly and accurately as possible. So you have to remember every word. So it makes sense that one psukim at a time he'd be able to retain and then relay over right in his language. However, says the Mishnah, as we arrive on the first word of Chavdal Adamadav, Uvenavi Shlosha. But when you have, when you're reading, right, Haftarah, then you can read three psukim. Uh, consecutively, and let the Maturgaman answer all three, or, or translate, rather, all three at a time. Now, why would that be? Is it easier? Is it because Navi is more of a story and easier to remember? First Rashi says in Chavdal and Rav, it's not so much that we think he'll retain it better because it's more a story, it's more that we don't care if he gets it wrong. Right? Why? The Lunafkamina Hara. In other words, no psukim or halachas that we're learning out of it. So if he gets it wrong here or there, it's okay. Better to just do it in blocks of three. It's faster. You see? Right, so it's always a balance of Tichat Tzibor versus, right, what the Maturgaman can handle versus how critical is it for us to get the accuracy going. Okay. Now, Hayu Shloshtan Shalosh Parshios. So this is going to be a little bit of a hawk in the, um, in the Mepharshim. What does this mean? But the, the Pashup shot here is if you have three, with this is within Navi now, if the three Psukim are from three separate paragraphs, then Korin Echad Echad. You have to read them one by one, which is to say, after having said in the Mishnah that you could read three psukim at a time, you can't uh, skip around. Why can't you skip around? 
because as we'll see, the Gemara is going to discuss it, but as you'll see, if you're jumping around, that's going to confuse the Maturgamon, right? So if you're going to go, and this is what I mean by the Mepharshim, some say this is referring to different topics, others say it's referring to different paragraphs, but it's both kind of the same in the sense that when you are jumping around in the Kriyas Hanavim, you can confuse the Maturgamon, and therefore, in that, sense, in that context, you're going to do one Pesach at a time, Okay. Then, so now we're talking about skipping around. Now, skipping around, uh, once we've discussed that, that should not happen uh, in the middle of an aliyah of Kriya Satara, right? But that could happen in Haftar, and we see that in Haftaras. Sometimes in the middle of Haftar, you'll skip around. As the Mishnah continues to say, Medalgin Benavi, Ben Medalgin Betairah, right? You're going to skip around when you're reading Haftar, but not Torah. How much can you skip around a Navi from like, you're going to bring different Sifrei Navi? So again, this is all Gabai handbook stuff. The, the Gabai needs to know that there are certain Haftarahs and certain readings from Navi that can be read at the same time. Of course, Chazal have already been talking this for us in terms of what we read at specific times. But the point is that they know that they can't skip, right? If you're going from Yechezkel to Yermiyahu, then you're not going to be able to do it. That's what it means, Kadesh In other words, there is, uh, you're on the clock as a Gabai. And you have to have, so if you're, let's say, three prakim away within the same Sefer in Yechezkel, and you know your stuff like Binyamin Gutman, so he knows exactly where he needs to go. It'll take two seconds. By the time the Maturgaman finishes translating what he's saying, he's already going to be in the next spot and you can continue reading, okay? That's basically what it means. That's the time limit that he has, the Gabai does, to set up the Balkare, right, for the next, uh, for, for the continuation of the reading. And as long as it's seamless and the, right, the congregation doesn't uh, have to wait for them to get their act together while they're fumbling around with different cloth, uh, then as long as it's seamless and you just go straight, then a lot of times you can read the Haftorah. And as a congregant, right, I'm usually a civilian uh, these days, although I was a Gabai in Ramat Pechemish, I'll, I'll bring up some, some of those episodes soon. But as a civilian, I could space out during Haftarah, so to speak, and it, it could be reading from different parts of Haftarah, and I wouldn't notice because Binyamin's so smooth. Okay. So now we start from Gemara and Haftarah and Rodolphus Fowler. It says, Honey, give him a psukim, connected me. Why do you, you know, we've been already talking about where we have three psukim, a minimum, but why three psukim? What does that correspond to? So says the Gemara, Amar of Asi, so that's why we have to read a minimum of three psukim anytime we have any aliyah, because it's corresponding to Torah Nevi'im Okay, Okay, um, so that's it's kind of interesting, right? Because we're reading the Torah, right? We're not reading the Nevi'im Ksuvim. So Rabbi Ari Leibowitz, the great Tafiyomi master, said something to the effect of, uh, as we said, when, uh, as the Rambam quotes, in the very last halacha of Hilchos Megillah, he says, "Be The only things that will remain will be Megillah Esther and Chumash. So the implication therein, says Ravari Leibowitz, is that all of the Musr of Nach is actually embedded. Put, set, set Megillah Esther aside for a minute, but all of the rest of the Musr is embedded in the Chumash itself. And so, really, in Nevi'im and Ksuvim, it's absorbed in Tanakh, and so it's in there. And therefore, within Tanakh, you can have representation of Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim. That was interesting, I thought. Okay, fine. So that's why you have three psukim. Again, a lot of these things also, it's not like they, they saw that it was connected to Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim, and therefore they instituted three psukim. A lot of this is 
I assume, Halacha Lemoshim Sinai, and then this is a remez, as we've already discussed. But be that as it may, that is connected to Ksuvim. You know, other, other places in Shas, it'll say, connected to Levi Yisrael. And so that is, and we've seen that already. And so that Ari Leibowitz actually also addresses, and he says that's when you're talking about three people. We're talking about actual physical human beings. So that's corresponding to the Kohen, Levi, and Yisrael. But when you're talking about Psukim, you're talking about Tarnavi Muxivim. Okay, another interesting uh, fact, trying to put this all together. Says the Gemara, continues. Our Mishnah said, Lo Yikra Lama Turgman Yosem Pasak Echad, Uvenavi Gimel Psukim. Right. This is a citation over there that for Torah it's going to be not more than one pasuk for the Maturgaman, Navi three as we discussed, and right. And if there are three um, psukim from right the the Navim, uh, then you have to read them one by one. From if they're separate paragraphs, then you can't just do it in groups of three. You're going to have to translate each one. So now the Gemara is going to give an example. Okay, an example from uh, from Sefer Yishayot, Kagon. Kicho Amar Hashem Chinam Nimkartem. So now these three psukim that we're going to say are going to be consecutive psukim, and they're going to be three separate topics. So Hashem said, you were sold for nothing. That's what the Pasuk says. Okay. Followed by, Kicho Amar Hashem Elokim Mitzrayim Yerod Ami Barishona. And then he says, my people went initially down to Mitzrayim, meaning Klal Yisrael. So, you were sold for nothing is chinamnim kartem. He's talking about, I guess, Klal Yisrael as embodied by Yosef Hatzadik uh, at the time. And then he says, Mitzrayim Yerad Amibari Shona, which you think is somewhat related, but I guess it's uh, not related enough to be considered um, the same topic. And then the following pasuk, mali um Hashem. Now what have I here, says Hashem. Okay. You have to be me'ayin sham in the Navi to see what each of these psukim, uh, why it's, <laughs> these three consecutive psukim are more disparate than any other three consecutive psukim in other places in Nach. Be that as it may, that's an example of three psukim that while they are consecutive, you're not going to read them consecutively and then ask the Maturgamon to translate it as a whole, as a unit. You're going to actually have the Maturgamon explain each one individually, as I just did, actually. I could have read all three and then translated at the end, but then it would make even less sense. Okay, fine, so... Next part. So Medalgim Navi says the Mishnah Vein Medalgim Batara. So now the Gemara is going to ask as follows Zuri Minhu. We have a uh, Mishnah in Yuma that you might recall. Samaches. It says like this Kore Achremos Ve'achbeasor. Okay. This is talking about laning. So Binyamin will tell you Achremos is the Parshios to talk about Avodas Yom Kippurim. And then Achbeasor is talking about the Isser Malacha. In other words, right, when you read on Yom Kippur, you have different, you have to bring out two, two Sifrei Torah. Okay, and, or, and also, besides that, forget about two Sifrei Torah. You, you're reading from different portions and you're skipping around on the Yom Kippur reading that they used to have. Okay. Um, and on, so do you do that today, uh, Benjamin? You, right, we bring out two Sifrei Torah. But it lo- sounds like in those days, uh, at the time of the Gemara, they, they moved, they didn't have two Sefer Torah, they, one, or maybe they did sometimes, but in this particular case, on Yom Kippur, they would use one Sefer Torah. Sefer Torah. Ah, very good. So Benjamin already picks it up. See, you can't get anything past the Gabai. One is Sefer Vayikr, Perak Tesvav, Tesain, rather, and the other is from Chav Gimel, right? So you're like seven Prakim apart, but you're in, within Vayikra. Okay, so the point is, 
that you can do that. You don't have to take out a, safe, a second Sefer Torah in the Avodah Shem Kippur because the Isra Malacha and the Avodah Shem Kippurim, even though they're in different prakim, they're not so far apart. But let's first slow down and talk about what the kasha is. The kasha is that we said that you could skip a Navi and you can't skip in Chumash. Here, we're skipping in Chumash. That's what the Gemara asks. The Gemara says, how come a How are we skipping in Chumash? So Amar Abaye, lo kasha. He answers because Abaye, like Binyamin, uh, understood where these parshios appeared in the Chumash. And he said, kan Right. In other words, our Mishnah is going to say that whenever, when, when are you going to make you pause? Only when the Maturgamon is going to have to stop and wait for you to roll a Sefer Torah or get another Sefer Torah. But here, in this case, it's not really skipping. It's only really considered skipping, uh, right, when it's so close enough that to be Golel, the Sefer Torah, to the next spot is so quick, quick and seamless that while the Maturgamon's talking, you're already at the next spot. However, the Gemara still has a problem with it because that would make sense for Navi. We said that that you're allowed to do for Navi, but we thought that for Chumash, you're not allowed to do any skipping. Says the Gemara, Allah Katani, but we already learned about this in our own Mishnah. Our Mishnah said, Medalgin Menavi, Ve'en Medalgin Betara. Right? This whole idea of being seamless is great, but that's only within Navi. We never said that you could skip at all by Chumash. Savat Kamahu Medalig, asked the Mishnah. Ad Kadeshilo Yifsukaturgaman. All of that was within Navi, right? That was that seamless um, thing that the that Binyamin does so flawlessly, that was all for Haftarah. We never said that you could do that for Chumash, as the Gemara continues to ask, Miklal the Batarah, Klal, Klal, Lo, right? The implication of our Mishnah that allows this, um, this seamless skipping to happen by Navi implies that by Chumash you can't skip at all. So says the Gemara, no. This is how we're going to reconcile the two Mishnahs. Elamar, Baye, Lo, Kasha, Khan, Be'inyan, Echad, Right, that where you have Inyan Echad, which presumably, right, on Yom Kippur, right, the Mishnah Yuma is talking about is Isra Malacha on Yom Kippur and Avodos Yom Kippurim. So interestingly enough, it's multiple considerations here, right? The consideration that the Gabai is worried about is all technicalities. Can we get this reading smoothly enough that the, that the Tzibor doesn't have to wait? Okay, that's one issue. But as far as the distinction between Navi and Chumash, for Chumash, it's going to have to be thematically linked, right? So there's an additional layer of concern where if it's thematically linked and you could do it seamlessly, then we're going to allow it. That's the Mishnah in Yuma. And our Mishnah is talking about, even if it's not thematically linked, skipping around, that's allowed only in Navi, but not at all in Chumash. Good. So now we have a Brisa to support that idea of Hatanya. Medalgin Batara, Be'inyan Echad, Uvenavi Bishna'inyanim. See that? That Batara, you could do some skipping, but only if it's thematically linked. And, and Navi, even if it's not thematically linked, you're only concerned when it comes to the Aftara, you're only concerned with being able to be seamless and not uh, annoy the Kal with delays. As we just said, the, the, either way, the, technic, the, the Gabai has to worry, technically, um, that it has to be smooth and not take too much time. And, and such that when the Maturgaman finishes, right, already translating, you're up to the next portion, fine. And in another b'risa, we're going to have a little qualification of this, tanya idach, ein medalgin minavi l'navi, that when it comes to navi, yes, you could skip, but not from like uh, Zachariah and then over to Yirmiyahu. You can't just start bringing out different cloths, even though sleight of hand, Binyamin, is going to be so quick, you're not going to notice, 
We're not going to do that. Unless you're going to talk about, right, Treyasar. Treyasar already, that is going to be able, you can, because those are linked to each other. Right? As long as you don't skip, this is, what this really means is out of sequence. Uh, so just means that you're allowed to be medallic, but you can't go out of order, okay? Um, so I, it either means that or it means that it's like a, such a far delug that, that it takes more time, but it's, it seems like this is a, um, an application of the idea of not going um, too far out of order. Okay, fine. In other words, you could do delug. Delug in itself is okay, but you're, not, but you're supposed to still read it straight, right? You're still supposed to read it Right, in a way that makes sense. You're not supposed to like go backwards, read it backwards. Okay. Fine. More, uh, the next Mishnah, more Gabai stuff. Two thirds down of the way on Chavdalad. Amaftir Benavi Hupores al Shema. Aha. So now the Gabai is trying to figure out, this is a great day for you to return, Benjamin. The Gabai is trying to figure out who's going to get, right, the Aliyahs, who's going to daven Shachris, who's going to daven Musaf, and who's going to get Maftir. So we're going to get back to Rev. Malinowitz telling us, so, Benjamin, you're not going to believe this, but Matt, shout out to Matt. Matt and I were, were the Gabayim. And so, Matt, I think when he grew up in Chicago, they used to give the kid that just had the bar mitzvah last week, Shvi. Because, you know, Shlishi is Chashiv, and, and Shishi is for the Rebbe's. So, like, and, and, you know, the people coming in from America, they're going to probably donate, so you don't want to give them Shvi. So we figured we'd give the kid Shvi. Turns out Shvi is a very Chashiv aliyah. And the Rebbe Melino had said, give him Maftir. Because Maftir is the least Chash of Aliyah. And everybody today, right, we say, yeah, I'm more than like the Maftir, you give it to the Chash of a guy. But here we see in our Mishnah, we already saw it yesterday, now we're going to really bring, bring it home, this idea of Maftir, uh, as Tosfos points out. A couple of things that, this is on uh, yesterday's daf, Tosfos pointed out a couple of things. First of all, the fact that we say Kaddish before Maftir is a giveaway. Like, we finished laning, guys. <laughs> and the other thing is, we're not saying anything new in Maftir, unless we're taking out a second Sefer Torah. Assuming it's a regular Shabbos, you're not even laning anything that you haven't laned already. That's like red flag number two, right? This is not even laning, so to speak, right? That's the least Chash So, Andrew, don't fall for it if they give you Maftir. Don't give any donation. Okay, here we go. So you say, no, or you could say, I'm going to give a donation, but make Naftali say, I'm giving a donation, but not because you gave me Maftir, despite the fact that you gave me Maftir. There you go. Okay, so, so we go like this. How, who are you going to give Shachris and, and Musaf and all these, and also Duchening, we'll see. So Hamaftir Benavi Yuporis al Shema. Poris al Shema is like a davening Shachris, right? Because that's the guy who's going to get the Kriya Shema over there. So what they're saying is like this. Now, of course, it's out of sequence, right? What do you mean? You're going to give Shachris to the guy who gave Maftir, or Maftir is after Shachris. So obviously, there's like uh, 15 different ways that the Achoronim um, discuss it. But let's, let's go with the chat that this was all decided beforehand. That Binyamin is giving out, handing out the cards early, early to the guys who are saying Pesukah de Zimra. And so, therefore, it's really the, uh, the opposite. In other words, it doesn't matter which way you do it. Who, who he who is the Baal Shachris is going to get ma- Maftir. Fine. Who overlift Neateva. So now, that's also, he's going to repeat Shemones, right? So, like, Shachris could be, Shachris could be Pesukah de Zimra, right? They, they obviously broke it down a little bit differently in those days. But that is referring to being the shliach tzibah for Shemnei Esrei, who knows as kapav, obviously this is going to be uh, only applicable to Kohanim, right? So he also is no se kapav. Now, what's the issue there? He's not going to be no se kapav. So most Mepharshim will explain that what this means is if you, if you daven in, in based tefillah, so then you know, you're, da, you're duchening every day. 
So you're more used to these conundrums. You get a good Baal Tefillah who's a Kohen and there aren't any Kohanim in Shul that day, so who's going to Duchen? You see, that becomes a conundrum, right? Your only Baal Tefillah is a Kohen and he's the only Kohen in, in, in the house. So do you have him Duchen or not? Like, do you have him go and turn around? And, and that's, a, that's an actual halachic shayla, okay? Um, so that, that could be what the issue is here. Um, and therefore, the answer would be that that would be an exception where he is, in fact, going to do Nesiyas Kapayim, even though he is the Baal Tefillah. So this is an interesting thing. If he's a Katan, right, he could do Maftir, right? In other words, it's saying, He does all these things. But if he's a Katan, then it means that his father will go on his behalf. So that means Binyamin gave Maftir to the Katan, and that usually comes with duchening and right being over and 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 shachris, let's say, and musaf for argument's sake, and all of those things. But the katan can't do those other things. He can only take the maftir, right? Everything else goes to his dad um, because that's just um, right. The masorah going up upwards now in the schus of his son getting maftir. He's going to do all the other things. Fine. Continues the mission. Katan matar game. So this is driving home what we just said, that actually it's not just maftir, but the balkara can actually be a katan. Fascinating, right? And he could also be the, the maturgaman. That seems to be, make more sense, right? Because that's not, uh, we don't see that as a davar shabikdusha, but it sounds like he could do me'ikar adin, both of those things. Uh, we obviously don't do that. So even in those days, even though the cotton could be the Balkare, he was not going to be the Shleach Tzibor. is now a big topic, says the Mishnah, that he doesn't duchen. Well, Tosvos, over here, discusses there's basically a three-way steer on Gemaras. One says that he needs to have, right, it needs to be a gadol in order to, um, to, this is our Mishnah, seems to imply there needs to be a gadol. There's another mission that seems to imply, I think it's in Chulin, that in Malay Zukino, right, that he needs to be an elderly person, has to be a person, right, with a zakan, and has to be a very distinguished person in order to do duchening. And there are other Gemaras that makes it sound like in Lulav Agazel that, that little kitties can also do duchening. So Tosva sorts out the different, uh, ex- the different situations where each one is appropriate. But just know this is not categorical. And you will see, right, a lot of times uh, little kids up there with their tatis, right, duchening, and that is appropriate, especially if they're with their tatis. In other words, if they're with their, their parents, so then they can duchen, different uh, situations. And if there's one person, that's what Tosu says, and Tosu also points out that the, that one situation where you need to have the uh, gravitas of a distinguished individual up there, that's when he's the only guy that's doing it uh, on a regular basis. What that exactly means is not uh, entirely clear to me, but the point is that those three things will, will be situation-specific. It's not categorical. But the point is that there are situations where you don't want to cut up there. Duchening, sometimes yes. Okay. How about davening in shorts, Binyamin? So, pocheach. Pocheach means shorts. Your legs are exposed. What does he do? Can he be a shliach tzibor? Pores has shema matar game. Okay. Uh, so he can do, we'll call pores shema like, he could be the maturgaman, but don't get him up there on the bima, right? Uh, to, be, to read Tulane or to go in front of the Aron, 
this is all obviously an union of kavod, right? So he can functionally do certain things, but we're keeping, we're not, we're not going to prop him up there on the bima because that is just disrespectful. It's not covered at Tzibur, it's not covered at Torah to go into, in front of the Aron or up to the Teva in shorts. Uh, as the Mishnah continues, Teva ain't over the Teva. Ve'ainer knows as Kapov also in order to do Duchening, as we'll see, uh, there is a certain amount of, right, um, kavod that involves um, duchening, and therefore you're not going to duchen in shorts. Okay. Furthermore, Summa, a blind person, Paris is Hashmao Matar game. Okay. He can, he, a blind person um, can get, we'll call Suki de Zimra and Matar Gaman. Rebuda, Amer, Kol Shalorom, Oris Miyamav, Eina Paris al Shema. So an interesting thing. Right? When you have the Shema, so again, we're, it's taking you through, it's not really Psuke de Zimra, because obviously it goes all the way through Shema. Where exactly they switched in those days, I'm not 100% sure, because you, right, we want to have some Geula Latfila. So maybe it means Chakras. It sounds like what they did was, he would, they would have a Shliach Tzibur all the way through the silent Shemun Esrei, and then a new Shliach Tzibur would pick up for, for, for Chazar Sashatz. That's what it sounds like. That, that, would be, that would make all of this make a little more sense. Paris al Shema would be all the Brichas Kriya Shema, which you can't separate out from the silent Shemones, right? And then maybe after the silent Shemones is over, somebody will pick up for, for uh, Chazar's shots. That makes the most sense to me over here. Anyways, what's this Summa idea? So he's saying, Lo Ra'am Oros Miyamav. Well, one of the brachas of Kriyashma, right, is, is Yotzer Ma'oros, right, is, is the bracha of Ma'oros. Well, that bracha is like a brachas, so to speak, Anenin, which we say that everybody says everything, right? But Rabbi Yehuda actually says that if he was born blind, right, then he can't say that because he never had that benefit. We'll discuss that further in the Gemara. So without further ado, let's go on to the Gemara on the bottom of Chaftal and Vals as follows. Ask Gemara, my taima, what's the reason that you give all of these extra kibudim, right, to the person who has maftir? You give him, right, the, the, the amud and you give him all these extra enduchening, which... Uh, obviously, it applies to coin. Why is so? So, Papa Amar Mishum Kavod. What's the Kavod? The Kavod is we want to give him extra Kavod as compensation for giving him right the the Maftir, because otherwise, getting Maftir is a busha. That's what Rav Papa means by because of Kavod. Okay. In other words, again, um, he the the Maftir means you're reading the Haftorah. Now, it's not a busha per se, but relative to reading the Torah. That's, that's the bottom line. Everything's always relative, right? <laughs> like if you're, uh, right, if you're making $20,000 a year, but you live in, in uh, Cambodia or something like that, then you're the gvir of the community, right? So if you're getting maftir, that's really nice, but you're reading from Navi. Everyone else in the shul is reading from Chumash. So now you have a beef, right? Now you have something to, be, uh, com- to complain about. So in order to compensate you, we're going to give you these other kibudim. Uh, that's one, Rav Papa was always the peacemaker. So that's one w- nice way of saying it. Rav Barshimi gets right into it. Rav Barshimi, Amar Mishum de Asil in Suye. Yeah, we're going to have a fight in Shul. <laughs> right? Because what's going to happen is, and Gabayim have probably dealt with this also, there's nothing better than a little bit of uh, friction in Shul when guys, when guys get, uh, get stressed out and starts a fight. Why would they get to fight again? Because this guy is getting up there. What it really means, the article explains it nicely, he says that you're going to have the chazan typically was a paid person at the time, okay? And he would get, and he'd get paid money, right? That's why Ben Yaman gets the big bucks. That's why he's got the electric car now. 
So the because he's also the number one chazan, so he's getting paid. And now you got this guy; he's for free reading the whole haftorah. So he's gonna there's gonna be resentment between him and Binyamin, and because Binyamin's getting paid, but he's not getting paid. Why should I do it for free? And that's what the article explains. So, anyways, uh, I would pay. Um, well, I, mean, I don't think it makes me a good person, but I'd pay to see that, like a fight up with the beam and shomer between Binyamin and somebody. My bay now, but what's the difference between Rav Papa and Rabbi Barshimi? about whether it's a kavod or a fight would break out as follows. Well, what if you have a thankless guy like Binyamin who's doing all these for free? Well, then there'd be no resentment. That's right. And therefore, only um, Rapapa would, would make sense. Tznan, and we learned the Mishnah, this is our Mishnah, over in Al-Yodo, right? That we said that you're going to, what? Give the privilege to his father if he can't do it. So, so now the Gemara is saying, if it's going to be a fight, what, you're going to have the little kid fighting in shul? No, that seems to imply by our Mishnah that it's, again, Rav Papa, that's Mishum Kavod. So the Gemara says, no, Elam Mishum Kavod, Katan Bar Kavod who? A Kavod is also not an issue. Why do you have to compensate the Katan? He's a Katan. He should be, he could, should consider himself happy that he's participating in shul. Right? Does the kid who get on Zmiros throw a tantrum because that he didn't get Musaf? No. He understands that he's a kid. This is, you're breaking him in. Says the Gemara, Ela'ika kavod avivu kod rabo. No. Uh, it means that when it means kavod, it's, even if you're giving it to a katan, it's referring to, uh, the, the father. Um, the father's kavod. As we turn to Chaptal and base, it says, Hachanami ikan rabo. Says, yeah, well, guess what? You have soccer moms and soccer dads, and this is shul moms and dads. You got your shul dad who's upset that his kid didn't get the right aliyah, and so he's going to fight on behalf of his kid. So this happens as well. So it, that our Mishnah talking about what you could give to a katan is not necessarily going to resolve whether the reason is the kavod or the, or the fighting, but be that as it may, right, that is the reason why you give the maftir, however you slice it, maftir is not as chashiv as getting any of the other aliyahs on the chumash, and therefore you have to be compensated Today, it's most, it's most customary to ask the person who's davening maftir to, who gets maftir to daven musaf. And that's a compensation for the fact that he only got maftir. Okay. All right. The two dots. Pocheach pores al shema. Wearing shorts. Says the Gemara. Ba'amine ulabar rav me'abaye katan pocheach mashu yikur b'torah. Okay. So now you got a little kid in shorts. What's, what's the issue? Says Rashi. That gado pocheach, we understand, has ervas dover. Right, it's it's like not just not cool, but you uh, in terms of how it looks. But there's a technical issue. You're showing some thigh, and that could be an erva, and he can't get up there. But a katan is not yet erva, right? His his thighs mean nothing from a lachic erva perspective, and therefore it's just a question by by talking about a katan, you're isolating just the covered issue. So arum. Yeah, the truth is the katan can go up there unclothed at all. That would have been the the uh, the issue if the erva was the issue. But arum my time below. Why are we not letting him go up there unclothed? Mishum covered seaboard because obviously that's disrespectful. So hachanam mishum covered seaboard. So here too we're talking about covered seaboard, and that's how we know that the issue is not one of erva, but rather we're talking about the issue of whether shorts are appropriate. Okay. Suma paris al shema. So what's with this blind person? So Tanya, we have a brayso. I'm a little Rabbi Yehuda. Harbeit tzafal from recover over uatzami meimem. This is what I would have said, right? He's saying like this. Rabbi Huda has an unbelievable shita that you can't be shliach tzibur for yotzer or if you never saw the light. Oh. So the Gemara says, yeah, but we say, uh, um, um, right, and, and all these things. We're talking about the Maisim Merkava, 
Uh, and we're talking about the Malachim talking to each other. Well, we didn't see that either. Right? We didn't see Maisim Rekava. Malfunim Bechayos HaKodesh is something that we don't see. So should we not be allowed to say that portion? In other words, just because you didn't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. It doesn't mean that you can't be Shlich Tzibu for it. It's a very unusual Shita what Rabbi Huda is offering. So says the Gemara, no. He says, Rabbi Huda is going to have an answer to that. Says, right, that's what it means. It means a lot of people are allowed to teach and also be the Shlich Tzibur for that part. And yet they never saw it. So why are we going to say Yotzer or that a blind person can't say it? That's what the Gemara means. So Rabbi Yehuda has an answer. It says, Rabbi Yehuda, Hosam be'avnata deliba taliyamilta. Avanta deliba. Avanta deliba means avana, right? Bina. That avanta deliba means understanding taliyamilta. In other words, Markava, you have to uh, conceptualize it. I don't know about understanding it, but you have to be able to conceptualize at least what it means. Right, you may not be able to like visualize exactly what it means because you never saw it, but you understand my my cover enough to be able to be shleich tzibur for rafanim v'chayas takarish rashkod al misnasim. However, v'halkam ichavin v'yada, so it's possible because you only have to theoretically understand it to be shleich tzibur for it. However, halcham ishumanahu, but yotzer or isn't referring to the concept of light. It's talking about actually having hana from physical light, which a blind person doesn't have. Right? Since a blind person does not have that hana, therefore he should not be. This is the source of Rabbi Yehuda's shita, which we don't hold like. Now we're going to say the chachamim are going to say the following: Rabbanan isle hana karibiosi. The answer of the Rabbanan is: You think a blind person doesn't get hana from light? Well, how about this? We learned from Rabbi Yossi that he does. The Tanya, fascinating b'risa. I'm a Rabbi Yossi, call Yomai Hayisi Mitzray al Mikrozeh. I never, I, all my days, I was troubled with the pasuk, with the following pasuk. It says, Vaisa me mashesh, but Sarayim, Kashay mashesh, Ayver bafela. Right? When we're told that we're not, when we're not doing the right thing, we don't follow the path and the light of Torah, we're like, what? This is, right? You'll remember this from, uh, Mesil Sisharim, right? Uh, Shari Tshuva, you're, you're like a person who doesn't follow the light of Taira is like a person, a blind person in the night. So the Biosi, what do you mean a blind person in the night? If you're a blind person, why does it matter whether it's day or night, Andrew? This is a, a, a Goranowitz Musr moment, if ever there was one. All the Sifri Musr have this. Why does a blind person care whether it's day or night? And I never understood this, said Rabbi But then I had a personal experience as follows. I couldn't sleep. I'm going out for a night walk. So I'm walking around at night. And I see a blind person walking with a, right, uh, torch to light his way. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have to find out, find a polite way to bring this up. Why is, would a blind person carry a torch? I'm too low. No offense, but why do you have a torch? Aren't, are you not blind? So Amar Lee, so he says to me, Well, guess what? It's good for me to carry a torch because I have my headlights on, right? I'm walking around in the dark and people can see me. And that has benefit too. And then they help me, right? I have to avoid ditches, thorns, and all kinds of things. Because this way, right, I actually have at least the opportunity for other people to help me. So isn't that so true, right, that part of, this is a Garanowitz Musr moment, that part of being in a, what we call a bad place <laughs> is the inability to have other people help you, right? So when you're in a bad place, not only are you <clears throat> like a blind person, 
but you're like a blind person in the night without a torch, right? That would be the worst thing to do, right? Being blind is something that we're all blinded in one way or another, right, to, to our, our own failings or to our own potential, right? We're all blind in one way or another. But as long as we carry a torch, then at least we are showing ourselves in order to allow others to help and we should invite such help in order to light our path. <clears throat> Beautiful. Okay, next Mishnah. So the Mishnah says, second uh, wide line, on so now we're getting back to Duchening. If you're blemished, you can't do Nesiyas Kapayim. This is a famous halacha. If you're getting a weird-looking manicure, you also can't because it's very distracting to the tzibor. Okay. Now, Yisad Kapav. You can't also Duchen in that scenario. As the Mishnah continues to say, that's not because it's a lack of cover. That's because you're going to distract people. It looks weird. So now we're going to basically read a whole bunch of things that are going to amount to, if it's going to distract people, then you can't do it. And, and if it's, but if it's the minimum of Makam, such that people are used to it, then it's okay. As follows. Right? All the movement that we said are in the exposed places on the feet and hands and face. Of course, feet, assuming you're not wearing socks. If you're wearing socks, nobody sees it. And that's because that's what people see. If your hands have blemishes all over the place, you shouldn't do it. Right? You shouldn't do it if your hands are bent forward, bent sideways. Right? You can't do Nesiyas Kapayim. Again, some of these would be because it's not covered. Right, that you don't do it in shorts. But other of this, other of these, the hamshach of the Mishnah is because it's also going to be distracting. Amar Vasi, chefani. Uh oh, this gets very personal here. Chefanu veishani lo yisus kapav. Duchening can't be done if you're from Haifa, which I am born in Haifa, or Beis Sha'an. I was born and raised in Haifa until I was eight years old. Why can't I duchen? Well, I'm a levi. But even if I was a coin, why tanya nami hachi? Ein moridin lefnayteva lo anshe Beis Sha'an, lo anshe Beis Haifa, lo anshe tif onim. If you're from these places, Beis Sha'an which is further north of Haifa, did a half marathon there once. It's a precursor to the Tveri Marathon, not for now. Or if you're from Haifa, or from Tivon, why? Wow, Rashi. In other words, they go like this. If you go to Birchaz Kohanim, it says, Yo'er Hashem Panav Alecha. So you're supposed to say, Yo'er, but you're going to say, but you're supposed to say, but if you say an Ayin instead, you're going to say, Yo'er, right? And so other examples that Rashi says, where it doesn't sound right, because Yair is like you're going to curse, right? So that's not good. The Ayn is supposed to be Ayn, and the Aleph is supposed to be Aleph. This is one of the many examples where uh, Ravadi Yosef says the Sephardim are better than Ashkenazim, because they actually pronounce Aleph and Ayn differently. My name, I, I am from Haifa, so I say Ido, but it's really Ido. When I, when I had Rabbi Steiner in YU in Hebrew class, he said Ido. That's how he called me. So I mispronounced my own name because I'm from Haifa. See? I'm this Gemar. Anyway. So because of this pronunciation, if Shimon said to, to him, um, if you were a Levi, right, then you'd be, you wouldn't be able to sing with the Levi's choir. Why is that? Because you're tone deaf. Okay. So also, so Shimon goes to his father, Rebbe, he said, you never believe what he told me. He told me I'm tone deaf and I wouldn't be able to participate in the choir. So I'm like, Zil Emalei, go say to him, In other words, I have a zinger that you could tell him back. Because he, 
right? Used to pronounce the Hekiti Lashem, right? This is where the Svaridim are not as good necessarily because the He and the Chet sound similarly. The Hekiti Lashem is I wait for Hashem. The Hekiti Lashem means I want to hit Hashem, right? So tell him he sounds like that the Haham a bit Yosef doesn't sound so Haham when he says the Hekiti Lashem, okay? So that is. Uh, different pronunciations and how they come off, and literally it came down to halacha where they would puzzle them for certain uh, for certain things. There is a discussion that Rari Leibowitz, a great Afiel master, talks about. This was not necessarily an insult because, after all, the fact that he was saying you need to have been unblemished in order to be able to uh, in order to paskin, in order to, to, to participate in the Torah. He says an amazing story about Moshe Feinstein towards the end of his life he refused certain surgeries because he didn't want to be a Malmum, not because he was a Kohen but because he was going to be the he realized he was going to be the Avbezdin of the Sanhedrin and that also requires to be up there and requires to not have a mum. Isn't that amazing? So he, he anticipated when Mashiach comes and the base of Mikdash is built and I'm in the head of the Sanhedrin, I can't have a mum. And therefore he refused certain procedures. Wow. Amar Avud, I am assuming, uh, you know, obviously not life-saving procedures, but he preferred one, some procedures over others. Amar Avuna, Zavalgan Loisat Kapav. That is a person um, that's just very uh, leaky, right? All his eyes flowing with tears, just uh, liquid everywhere. But there was a certain guy that was like that in his neighborhood, and they let him daven. So the Gemara, who dash beiro dash, right? Well trodden. He was very well known in his city, and therefore, again, this is the issue of distraction. If it's something you everyone's used to, you're not going to be distracted. So then, who dash beirova, and then it's okay. There you go, you have a bracelet that explicitly says this. Furthermore, if you have one eye to Andy, he can't write because that's distracting. However, there was such a guy in Rabbi Yochanan's town, and they let him do it. So again, everybody was used to him, so it wasn't as uh, distracting. And again, a brisa exactly to that effect that if a person's one blind, one uh, blind eye, then it's not uh, appropriate because it'll be distracting unless you're used to it. In which case, it's okay. As you said, if you have a funky-looking manicure, then you can't do it because you distract everybody. If you're in some sort of city where that's the culture and everybody has some form of manicure, then it's okay. Again, it all depends on what you're used to. Uh, we're now in the Mishra seven lines up from the bottom. We have a minute, but we have some time till Anachas Tulan. Should we go a little bit further? Um, we'll see, because we don't have a minion yet. So here we go. any over Ateva Ah, we're going to see. The Gemara is going to explain this. Why would you say I don't want to go up in colored clothing? Because we're gonna, uh, uh, because that was how whatever the, that's how the uh, heretics used to behave. They used to be mocked on this. Right, just like just like the people who are uh, go to church, they don't understand you, that you, you could talk in shul. I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. If you walk into a church, everybody is like with great gravitas. Sometimes in shul, people feel more comfortable. Again, I'm not. He, the, so then we're saying if he doesn't want to go up with his colored shirt because that's a heretical uh, concept, we're not even going to let him go up with his yeshivish white shirt because we uh, suspect him of heresy. The sandal any over a similar idea that I'm not going to go up with sandals. We're not going to let him go barefoot. You make it tefillin. This is referring not to his tefillah, but his tefillin. You make round batim. Sakana ve'ain mitzvah. Right? You're not ain ba mitzvah. You're not yaitzei. We're going to discuss why tefillin have to be square. Nesana al mitzvah al pasiado. If you put it in the wrong place on your forehead rather than above the hairline or 
pasiado on the palm of your hand in the wrong place, right? Then harezu derech aminus. That's how the heretics uh, behave, and therefore you have to put your tefillin in the right spot. Tzip and zav, right? Because ayilta tefos beinecha ayadecha, right? So if you're a heretic, beinecha and ayadecha sounds like between your eyes and on your palm. No, but we learn Allah Lamash we see now that it's not. We learn that we put tefillin elsewhere. Um, where we do, right by the hairline and by the bicep. Tzipan Zahav, if you cover the tefillin with gold and son al base unklishulo, put it, it sounds like ankles, but it really means on his sleeve, instead of directly on the skin. What are the chitzonim? Chitzonim says, Rashi, Chitzonim people who have their own ideas. Uh, their own rational ideas, and they start writing uh, uh, blogs based on no like sources or anything like that. And so those are the people that end up thinking that it's a good idea to put gold on your tefillin. Uh, so we'll pick up. Uh, we still have nobody coming up, so let's just finish the Gemara up until the mission on the Banach of Dalim Beis. My time, I asked the Gemara. Why are we, what's this idea with the guy with the clothing? It says, That's what Rashi explains. Rashi over here explains, the, on the th- third line from the bottom, They were very makbid not to wear colored clothing, so therefore we suspect them of heresy, and that's why we don't let them go up. What's with the round tefillin? Yeah. In other words, the halach l'moshimisina is that the bottom have to be square. The Amarava betifren balachsonon. Rava was explaining the brayso. Said that's talking about in their stitching, right? So therefore, that's what our Mishnah and the brayso are both are trying to to teach. And therefore, it's not redundant because one is talking about the bottom, the other one's talking about the stitching. Amar Papa Masnisin Davida ki amguza. That the reason why we need both is because our Mishnah, if you just said it can't be round, you may have said, well, okay, it could look like a football or an egg goes, as it were, or an egg, but. We learn both Mishnahis to teach you that no, Lachlan Mashmishina is not only does it, can it not be round, but it should in fact be square. Ad Khan, so we'll start with the last word on Khaftal Bez, Bezrat Hashem tomorrow.